0: Awesome. Thanks, Bree. So good. Hey, um, why don't you, etu, why don't we all stand up real quick? I know some people are like, no, I'm in church. Can't I just sleep? It's like, no, you can't. Hey, um, so I'm going to be talking a lot about wisdom this morning, like as you saw from those cool verses that Bree read out. we can talk heaps about wisdom. So why don't you turn to a few people around you and just say to them, you are looking mighty wise this morning. Is that all good? You're looking mighty wise this morning. <laughs> Alrighty, in have a seat, eh? Have a seat. Now just turn to the person next to you and just say, but you could be way wiser, okay? But you could be way wiser. So good? Okay, if you're sitting beside a brother or something, you could just look at them and say, Wow, seriously, bro, seriously. Hey, I'm Morena, Katsupiha, Koto. How you doing? Katsapai? Pie. Katsapai's pie good, eh? I'm good. Um, habla espanol? Any Spanish speakers? Hey, buenos dias, uh, como te va? Super bien, yeah, that's my favourite, my new favourite one, super bien, so good, hey, cool. Hey, I'm Kokei Brad, talking. ingoas, my Craig, Braddock. I'm one of the pastors that rock around here and just drink coffee most of the week eh? and then do a little bit of work on Sunday and just drink coffee, the restaurant's pretty good we um, going to be talking a lot about wisdom today, so we're doing this series on Joseph. Hey, if you're just joining us, it's been really cool. I've had, again, just keep getting good um, emails and texts from people. Really enjoying hearing more about Joseph and this whole um, this whole concept of faith and hardship, right? Faith and hardship, because if you know anything about Joseph, his life is, is one of real hardship, right? Um, and one of the big things you see, and we're going to see it really clearly this morning when we look at um, at chapter 44 of Genesis... One of the things you see in there is the transition of Joseph from basically just young, arrogant punk, right? He's like 16, 17 at the beginning of the story, and he's basically just a jerk. He just thinks he's the man, right? He just thinks he's the man. We see him, we see him transition, and we see God transition him from young, arrogant punk to just so wise and insightful. And when we read the, the passage um, this morning, if I didn't introduce it, which I'm going to do in a minute, you'd think he's still a jerk. He's still an arrogant jerk, but as I read it, and as you guys read along with me, you're going to go, "Oh man, I can see how wise and insightful and careful he's been." Right? Um, the other person you see who's transitioned massively is Judah, right? So Judah's one of the brothers, and again, Judah and the brothers just start out as complete jerks, right? They're, they're trying to kill their brother, trying to like then take a fake, um, take a jacket to their dad covered in animal's blood, saying your son's dead and he's distressed, and are just horrible, horrible people. But at the end of it, you just see them so different and and so much wiser. And so one of the things I want to talk a bit about this morning is is what happened to them and how do we do that? How do we become more wise, right? And unless you're sitting here and you're an arrogant punk like um, Joseph at the beginning of the story, um, we always want to be more wise, right? We just always want to be more wise, especially when it comes to the whole Jesus thing, right? We're like, yeah, sign me up for more wisdom. (laughs) Hey, so to get you thinking about um, wisdom, I'll tell you a story about me being not wise, right? So I'm not like the dumbest guy in the room, but I just seem to take stupid risks all the time that are not wise at all. And I, it's real funny. So when I write sermons um, during the week, I, I often write like bits all over the place and I'll leave like notes to come back and fill in an illustration here or an application or I need verses here or whatever. And here I wrote a funny illustration about not being wise. And then later on in the week, I went back to it, and I was sitting in my office going, oh man, I've got like a 1,000. I'm just like, I don't know. I just do unwise things. So quick illustration about me being not wise to gee thinking that I need to be a lot wiser um, and maybe thinking, well, I need to go to a different church with a wiser pastor, right? Which is, <laughs> So I can advise you on that. Um, so I love to kayak. Anyone like to kayak, like canoe? I don't know the difference in kayak and canoe. It's all good, eh? Um, and so used to have a kayak and would kayak up um, the Waikato River from Carapero and kind of cruise up there. So if you go up from the Carapero Dam and head up, there's a lot of little creeks, like streams and rivers that break off it. And at the end of the, nearly all of them, they have these really cool waterfalls, right? And you get up there and you're just like, because I'm a bit of a Jesus nerd, I just honestly get to the end of these little things and just go, oh my goodness, God, how the heck did you do yeah, It's just beautiful, right? Um, and there was one that I just really loved that I kayaked up there a whole bunch. And it's really narrow. It's quite narrow. And it's got real high walls, like cliff things are not like, Straight up and down cliffs, but on an angle, but still pretty cliffy, if you like. Um, And it's real narrow, like not much wider than the paddle on your kayak, so you kind of cruise out there. But when you get to the end of this crazy thing, it's like, honestly, you come around this little corner... And it's just like, oh, it's just beautiful. This waterfall, sun, trees, deer, eating. No, there's no deer. (laughs) It's just beautiful, right? You're like, well, and I used to love going out there all the time. And then one day I was coming back, and I was coming back, and this is the unwise thing. I was like, I wonder what's at the top of these cliffs, right? Which is not always a brilliant idea. And so there was nowhere to, like, park my kayak. I don't know what you call it. Do you call it parking a kayak? Dock my kayak? I don't know. Because it's just cliffs, but there was this little tree kind of growing out, real skinny. And so I managed to climb out of my kayak and into the tree, and I was literally kind of standing in the tree, and I managed to pull my kayak up into the tree, which was like I thought was pretty amazing. Got my paddle um, up in the tree, and then started climbing up the the cliffs. And as soon as I started to climb, I was like, this is the dumbest idea I've had in a long time. Because it was like sandstone, but with like moss on it, because it's like really those massive trees and everything, right? Beautiful, but mildly terrifying. And so the higher I got, it's about, I don't know, six or seven meters, probably about as high as this roof. I don't know, meters, right? It's real high. Um, and as I was getting up, I started to get quite scared, because you're getting higher and higher, and it's slipperier and slimier, and you're just freaking out. And I'm just wearing, like, shorts and a t-shirt. Right? It's the summer. I'm just cruising around. Um, and, but I was like, I want to see what's at the top of this thing. I'm sure when I get there, it's going to be worth it. I'm going to look over and just be like, Jesus, amazing. Ah, you know, dear. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I'm climbing. I'm slipping. It's real scary. And I get to the top. Look over, and Blackberry. And I was like, really? And it was like, Blackberry, higher than me. And I was like, oh, of course, I'm down the back of some random guy's farm. He doesn't give a rip about his Blackberry. And I'm in shorts. And so I kind of climbed to the top, and I was like, I can't even, like, go anywhere because there's a solid Blackberry. And I was like, oh, this is totally stupid. So I started to go back down, and this is where it got really unwise. So I started going down, and um, I don't know why, but going down is way harder than going up and it was super slippery, have I said, right, super slippery, so I started going down, as soon as I started going down, I was just slipping and sliding, and like it's sandstone, so my poor little fingers and my little toes are like getting sanded away, it was just, and I was like, no, freaking out, I got about halfway down, so two or three meters above the water, and I was like, I'm going to fall, and who knows what's in there, is there sharks, is there rocks, eels, I don't know, I'm going to be, I'm going to die, and there was this really tiny tree growing out about halfway up, and I was like, I'll stop in the tree, hold onto the tree, and like assess the landscape. You know, super wise. Where's a good path that I'm not going to die and be eaten by eels? And so I'm standing in my little tree. Um, you need to see because this is literally what happened. So I'm standing there, holding my little tree. The tree's like a pool cue, like right? a pool cue, real narrow. It's tiny, absolutely tiny. How it was growing, no idea. Again, I'm not the wisest guy in the room, right? So I'm standing there holding my tree, thinking, where the heck do I climb down so I don't die? And then the next minute, I was like, oh, we appear to be moving, <laughs> and I started leaning out, and I just was like that slow motion, no, <laughs> and like, but the crazy thing is, I never let go of the tree, so me and my little tree went, ah, sploosh into the water, and literally as I was about to hit the water, I was like, there could be rocks, serious rocks and branches, I don't know, and sure, but I was totally fine, just cold and wet, managed to get my kayak out of the tree, back in, and, and came home, right, so... I'm um, not super wise, not super wise. So um, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, that's not me, bro. I'm super wise. I don't need to listen to this sermon. And then, um, then come up afterwards and explain to me how to be wise because I just make dumb decisions um, a lot. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm being all hesitant because I wasn't sure whether I'd say this or not. So this is a bit weird, right? Um, honestly, I was sitting down there before... And I just was praying, and I just felt so clearly. This is a bit of a weird message you'll see this morning. It's going to feel a bit light for some of you. Um, But when I was praying, I just felt so strongly that God was saying, there's some people that really need to hear this, right? There's some people that really need to hear this. So I have no idea who that is. But God's saying to you this morning, you need to listen this morning. God wants to say something really powerful to you. So I don't know who you are, but listen, eh? Hey, so um, I want to read uh, chapter 44 um, of Genesis. So if you've got your Bible, uh, jump in there. It's a, it's a cool chapter, eh? I mean, most of the chapters in the Bible are pretty cool. <laughs> nah, they're all really good. And this is just a cool, um, a really good chapter. So if you've been tracking along with us, you know where we're at. Um, basically, Joseph was a jerk, had these dreams from God, these like prophecies. And he ends up in Egypt. Long story about the brothers being horrible jerks and pretending that he was dead. Um, and then he's in prison there, slave, ends up, um, because God's amazing, uh, interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh makes him the second most important person on the planet, right? Because Egypt's the dominant power at this time. So that's kind of um, how we got there. And then the crazy thing you see is um, the brothers now have come from Jacob, his father, twice to Egypt uh, to buy grain. And both times they've stood in front of um, Joseph and they've not realized it was Joseph. So you've got to remember he would be totally clean shaven. He would have a lot of makeup on because he's he's Egyptian in quotes now, right? Um, And he's speaking through an interpreter. We read that a couple of chapters back. So those have no idea who he is, right? Um, And so to let the cat out of the bag, awesome expression. Um, When you read this chapter, it feels horrible. It feels like Joseph is just horrible. But like I said, he's actually being really wise. So to let you know where, where we're going in the passage, what you'll see him doing is he wants to test the brothers to see if they've changed, right? Does that make sense? He wants to test the brothers to see if they've changed because last time he met them, he's met them a few little bits and pieces when they've come to Egypt just before. But last time he's with them, they literally tried to kill him. <laughs> um, and so now he's, he's trying to test, have they changed? Are they different? Can I trust these brothers? So that's what this whole crazy test is. And if you've read this before, um, the whole silver cup and all that madness. So let me read it. If you've got your Bible, it's good to carry. Um, follow along. Eh? So Genesis 44. Uh, when his brothers are ready to leave. So this is the second time they've come to get grain, right? When his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to his palace manager. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man's money back into his sack, which he'd done another time and it freaked them out, but it's a little bit different this time. And then this is the the test. Verse 2. Then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack along with the money for his grain. So the manager did as Joseph instructed him. The brothers were up at dawn and were sent on their journey with their loaded donkey. But when they had gone only a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace manager. Now, this is where you're like, what a jerk. He made, them, made his manager put the cup in. Now he's, good oh, what a jerk. And so, no, like, no, no, no. He's testing them, testing them. Um, Joseph said to his palace manager, chase after them and stop them. When you catch up with them, ask them, why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's silver cup, which he uses to predict the future? What a wicked thing you've done. Just a side note here, because this can get real confusing. Um, in the Hebrew, that verse 5 is a real hard one to translate. And, and a lot of translators have gone with this whole, he uses it to predict the future. Um, but it, in this time it, in Egypt, you didn't use a cup to predict the future. So it's just a weird one. So a lot of translators say, he's just saying, why have you stolen my master's cup? Um, don't you know that he would know this? He'd be able to tell you'd stolen it well, as soon as the cup's gone because they've been in his house. So you can do more study and figure it out. Okay, because it comes up again in verse 15. So verse six, when the palace manager caught up with the men, he spoke to them as he'd been instructed. What are you talking about? The brothers responded. We are servants. We would never do such a thing. Didn't we return the money we found in our sacks? We brought it back all the way from the land of Canaan. Why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? And then they say a bit of a rash thing. If you find his cup with any one of us, Let that man die. I'm like, oh, bad Paul, guys. And all the rest of us, my Lord, will be your slaves. And the guy who knows what's happening, right? Verse 10, oh, that's fair, the man replied. Um, But only the one who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you will go free. Okay, so to make sure you get where we're going, because this is very clever of Joseph. This is wisdom. Do you see what he's doing with his brother? So Benjamin is his full brother, right? All the other brothers are half brothers. And so he's now doing to the brothers exactly the situation that they were in before. And so he set up Benjamin to have the cup. And so where he's going is that he's going to end up saying to them, you can all go free, because that's what the manager just said, but Benjamin will die, or Benjamin will be a slave forever. So he wants to see if they've changed. Are you with me, eh? So previously, they sacrificed, got rid of Joseph because he was horrible, and the 10 of them just carried on living. Now he's putting them in the exact same situation. For your freedom, are you going to sacrifice another brother, my other whole brother? Where are we going? So that's what he's doing here. So when you see it, you're like, Okay, I can see what he's doing. He's trying to see if they change, if they grow, and what's happening. So verse 11, they all quickly took their sacks from the backs of their donkeys and opened them. The palace manager searched the brothers' sacks from the oldest to the youngest, because he knows, right? He knows it's in the youngest. And every time I've read this, I don't know how many times this... um, this week, and every time I read it, I'm like, as they opened each one in the background, you'd hear, dun, 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 and then open the next one, dun, 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 there's nothing, dun, dun, dun. But the manager's kind of like, waiting, waiting, because he knows where it is, and everyone's like, is it in my sack? Oh, I'm not going to die. Is it in my sack? I'm not going to die. You know, and everyone's freaking out. Um, and then, and the, the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. No! When the brothers saw this, interesting, they tore their clothing in despair. Where was the last time we saw them, people tearing clothing? The last time was when the brothers took the cloak back to Jacob, the father, and said, oh, wild animals killed Joseph, right? So you can see they've really grown, they've really changed, right? Then they loaded their donkeys again, returned to the city. Man, i would be down. Verse 14, Joseph was still in his palace when when Judah and his brothers arrived and they fell to the ground before him. It's the fifth time, right? Do you remember back in chapter 37, um, God gave Joseph this dream, this prophecy that the brothers would bow before him and he, he told them and they laughed. And then this is the fifth time now they've bowed before, and it's interesting. Verse 15, what have you done? Joseph demanded. Don't you know that a man like me can predict the future? Judah answered, and this is just so cool of Judah. Oh, my Lord, what can we say to you? How can we explain this? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves, all of us, not just the brother who had your cup and his sack. Do you see it, eh? You see the, the test is right there. They could have easily said, yep, again, we've already sacrificed one brother. Have another one and we're all free. Woohoo! But they've, they've really changed. No, Joseph said, I would never do such a thing. Only the man who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may, may go back to your father's place, uh, place in peace. This is a real clear test. Then Judah stepped forward and said, please, my Lord, let your servant say just one word to you. Please do not be angry with me, even though you are as powerful as Pharaoh himself. I love that, eh? My Lord, previously you asked us, your servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we responded, yes, my Lord. We have a father who is an old man, and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead, which is Joseph, they don't know, right? And he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him very much. Talking about Benjamin. And you said to us, bring him here so I can see him with my own eyes. But we said to you, my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father for his father would die. But you told us, unless your youngest brother comes with you, you'll never see my face again. So we returned to your servant, our father, and told him what you'd said. Later, when he said, go back again and buy us more food, we replied, we can't go unless you let our youngest brother go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then my father said to us, as you know, my wife had two sons. One of them went away and never returned, which is Joseph. Doubtless he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. I've never seen him since. Now if you take his brother away from him, any harm comes to him, he'll send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. And now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in the boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us. Her father will die. You see how they've changed, right? You see how they've changed? Chapter 37, when they um, sell Joseph off to slavery, they just couldn't give a rip about how Jacob responded. Just didn't even care. And if you go back to um, chapter 37, it says that that he grieves and grieves and no one could comfort him. He's so upset. And the brothers just didn't care. But now they've so changed, right? Um if he sees the boy is not with, uh, with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible, for, see, I love to say, uh, for sending that grieving white haired man to his grave. I should read that more seriously, but it just sounds real funny, that grieving white haired man. My Lord, I guaranteed to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me, this is like the twist, right? Let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy, and let the boy return with his brothers for how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. Do you see the change in the way? Do you see the change? Okay, shot, team. Um, just a massive change, right? Just incredible the the difference that God's brought in these guys' life over this 20, 21, what about to, 22 years um, since Joseph was sold into into slavery. Um, so I want to talk about wisdom, right? I just want to talk about how did these guys become so wise? How does Joseph becomes so wise from this arrogant young guy. What's some, some, not tips, eh, but what's some teachings that we can look at from the Bible that um, will help us as a community, as a whānau, to be much wiser? I thought about this a lot this week, and I'm just really, I say this very carefully, I'm really concerned where our government is taking us morally and ethically at the moment, and I think as believers we have to be wise, we have to be calling out to God and saying, hey, God, our government is passing some pretty massive laws at the moment. Where does the Bible stand on this? Speak to me, God. Give me wisdom. How do, I, how do I speak into this with my co-workers without them thinking I'm just an irrelevant, conservative idiot? I need wisdom from you, God. I wrote a few things down here that I was like, these are just little things, right? These are huge, but these are little things that the government's just zooming through. How do we as a congregation respond? How do we as individuals in a a very secular society, respond to these. We need wisdom from God, right? Is abortion wrong in the eyes of God when we know the baby is deformed and may endanger the life of the mother? Would we say that's terrible? What does the Bible say? We need wisdom from God to know how to talk about this with our now, our co-workers. Is it wrong to offer to euthanize someone with only days to live, now practically in a coma from cancer, but still feeling pain? Is that wrong, to euthanize them? We need wisdom from God. Is it good to legalize marijuana when it's already legal to smoke nicotine, which we know harms us, and drink hard liquor? Is it different? What's different? I need wisdom from God to, to understand that, to be able to talk to my, my people, right? Is sex before marriage really destructive to people, or is this a hangover from a previous conservative generation? We need wisdom, right? We can't just wander around going, oh, yeah, well, it's all good. It's like we need wisdom from God to know how to, where we stand, but how do we talk about this with people that... If we don't talk wisely, we're going to just think we're irrelevant, stupid people. Right? We need wisdom from God. I could carry on, right? I could list a ton of things. We desperately need wisdom from God. We desperately need God to speak into these situations, to help us understand what the Bible says about them, but most of all, to enable us to be wise as we process them and live out in a wild and unchristian society, right? We need to be really wise, this is the kind of the big question I want to think about this morning. Um, who are you becoming, yeah? Who are you becoming in your life? All of us are heading somewhere, right? All of us are on a, a journey somewhere. Um, either you're going to make intentional decisions that are going to make you wiser in this culture and able to speak grace and truth more wisely to the people around you, or are you are going to stay as you are <laughs> and you're going to make intentional decisions to not become wiser and to stay as you are, and to not understand issues, and to not to be able to speak into to serious conversations with wisdom and depth and understanding and love and care, right? Who are you really becoming? If you continue on the trajectory you're on now, who will you become? I just love that, day. Eh? Who will you become? Okay, I've got a little simple definition of wisdom here. The quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, right? So to be wise is someone who has the quality of having experience, so they've done some stuff, they've seen some stuff, right? A lot of wisdom comes from doing, right? Um, The quality of having experience and knowledge. A lot of knowledge we can learn from other people. I'm going to talk a lot about that, right? We can gain knowledge. We can gain wisdom from from learning from people. And then that's kind of summarizing this cool little thing of good judgment, right? I love that, eh? Good judgment. Okay, so a couple of little illustrations, um, quotes rather, of wisdom, I just love quotes. Anyone else? say like a bit of a quote nerd. Me, Dave, few of us. Yeah, shot Robert. We're the team, eh? Everyone else? Oh no, you are. Um, so I just love quotes, right? I'm because it just summarizes it. And this next guy has the coolest chops in the history of chops, right? You're ready to go, whoa! But be more amazed by the quote than the picture. Okay, we're good. Um, so this is Isaac. <laughs> Isaac Asimov. He's super famous. Um. The saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. It's good, right? Let me read it again. The saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. It's good, eh? He wrote that about 40, 50 years ago. Amazing, eh? It's good, eh? Okay, he's, he's not. this next one's just a little bit funny, but again, glorious beard. Okay, are you ready for a glorious beard? How good is that beard? Um, so this guy said, There are three things all wise men fear. The sea and storm, a night with no moon, and I love the last one, and the anger of a gentle man. You know what, eh? If you know someone who's real gentle, and then you see them starting to get angry, you're like, whoa, here we go. I've got a friend who's just like a legend, and when he gets angry, he gets pointy. And I watch him sometimes, and I'll see his nose start getting pointy, and I know, here we go, bro. And then it's just like, yeah. I love this one, Mark Twain. This is the best. In a good book room, you feel in some mysterious way that you're absorbing the wisdom contained in all the books through your skin without even opening them. Who gets that? Anyone get that? Yeah? No, some of you know. You go into those giant libraries and you just stand there like, I just feel wiser being in this room, right? <laughs> just absorbing it. It's just so glorious, eh? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm kind of shallow. Oh, I love that quote. Okay. Hey, so I'm real jealous of this wisdom of... Um, of Joseph, and then Judah becomes wise. So I just want to look at a few ideas about how we can become more wise. So um, the first one's kind of, um, the first two rather are how to not be wise. And I thought you learn a lot by looking at people in the Bible who were not wise and who made dumb decisions. And the first one's kind of, it's it's hilarious if it wasn't so sad, right? So here's the first one. Um, Not wise, number one. Samson is not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? Samson's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, So in your best mum voice, Got your mum voice in your head. So in your best mum voice, turn to a few people around you and just go, oh, Samson, Samson, Samson. Okay? Turn to a few people in your mum voice, Samson, Samson, Samson. Alright. Okay. It's that classic, I'm not angry with you right now. I'm just disappointed. Right? Did your mum ever say that? And you're just like, destroyed. And so okay, Samson. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um if you've read anything of Samson, Samson's a guy in the Old Testament. He's one of the judges. So it's a period in Israel history before the kings when they were ruled by these judges. The judges are often regional, not over the whole nation, all this kind of good stuff. And Samson's just a regular guy, right? So um, just a regular guy, but he's given supernatural strength by the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, but he's not given supernatural intelligence by the Holy Spirit because so he's a bit of a muppet, right? Um, and there's this verse um, in the middle of his story right here. Um, Judges 16 verse 1. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Now, if you read it, you're like, okay, he's an idiot. What's he doing with a prostitute? But when you understand it a little bit bigger, you get this is really, really dumb because the Philistines are the mortal enemies of Israel. He's meant to be the judge. So what's he do? It's just, he's an idiot, right? Um, And Craig Rochelle, who's a pastor in America, comments on this, and this is what he says. Gaza is 25 miles from Samson's hometown Zorah. Gaza was the Philistine headquarters where Samson was public enemy number one. Also, when Samson lived, there was no Uber. (laughs) Samson walked 25 miles into enemy territory to see a prostitute. (laughs) You're just like, that's not a wise move, right? That's just not a wise move. Um, But then Groeschel carries on and he says this bit here. This is good. That's 56,250 steps. Samson didn't ruin his life all at one time. He took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. I love that, eh? Who are you becoming, yeah? If you continue on the trajectory you're on now, who will you become? We're always either walking towards God, one often slow step at a time, or we're making decisions to walk further and further away from God, right? Right? I just love that, eh? All of us this week are going to make a whole bunch of steps, yeah? And some of us are going to be real intentional about making a step closer to Jesus, right? Closer to God. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance in this situation. I need your clarity. And some of us in this room, some of us on this podcast are going to go, nah, and we're intentionally going to, (laughs) Make steps away from God. Again, away from that wisdom. If you continue on the trajectory you're on now, who will you become? Okay, here's the second one. Um, Not wise number two. Israel makes a really, really bad call, right? Um, If you've got your Bible, jump over to Psalm 105. Um, If you haven't read um, Psalm 105 lately, uh, this is a really cool chapter. So in Psalm 105 and 106, the psalmist basically summarizes the entire history of Israel. It's wild. So you can read it in like five minutes, and you're like, oh, just read the entire history of Israel. Thanks for that. Um, and one of the things that you see in there is it's just like this record of God's miraculous power and God's blessing. And you can read it really easily, and it's just God being amazing in the wilderness, God being amazing with plagues, is just amazing, 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 blessing on Israel, blessing on Israel, blessing on Israel. And then you get to verse 13 in um, chapter 106, which I'll put on the screen. Yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. Man. I just love that, eh? Yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. So if you got your Bible, um, that's this pivotal verse in this whole history of Israel. And the crazy thing is now, I don't have time to read the whole thing, but now if you start skimming the rest of chapter 106, it's just terrible disaster, terrible disaster. And you really clearly see that the psalmist has put this key verse in the middle and said, everything's they're listening to God's guidance. He's blessing them. They're taking steps towards God. Everything's amazing, 105, halfway through 106, and then boom, they stop listening to the counsel of God. Everything turns to chaos. I'm just, just going to read a few verses. See, so my Bible's got little sections in it. And at the beginning of the next section, verse 19, the people made a calf at Mount Sinai. They bowed before an image made of gold. And this next verse, they traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating bull. You're like, what are they doing, idiots? And it's like, well, they've stopped listening to the counsel of God, right? They've started speeding up their decision-making and not pausing to listen to God. Verse 24, the people refused to enter the pleasant land for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey God. Verse 28, then our ancestors joined in the worship of Baal at Peor. They even ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Verse 34, Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land as the Lord had commanded. It just carries on and on and on, right? And, and the pivotal verse in all this is that verse where it changes from they're listening to God, they're receiving the counsel of God, God's blessing them, God's pouring out his love and favor on them, and then they stop listening to the counsel of God and everything turns to custard, right? Everything turns to custard. Um, I talked quite a bit last week about this whole idea of slowing and listening to God and, and being patient before him, right? And one of the quotes that I put up last week is, is this one here. I wonder how often we need saving simply because we didn't wait for Jesus. We didn't wait for God's timing and took things into our own hands to make them happen rather than waiting patiently for Jesus. I love that. I wonder how many times things turn to custard for us because we just rushed God. <laughs> and he doesn't get rushed. <laughs> so it turns to custard because we, like Israel, just didn't wait on God, right? Yeah, I want to be wise. I need to listen to God. But he's taking too long, so I'm off to do this thing. Oh, it's all turned to custard. Where was God? He's deserted me. And he's like, well, if you'd calmed the farm <laughs> and waited. I had a plan. You know, trust me. Trust me. Man. Ah, just challenges me, this. Eh? I'm, not, I'm not like... Places to go, people to see. Come on, God, <laughs> get on my agenda. And he's like, oh, Craig, I'm slightly more important. Get on my agenda. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Uh, man, I just need more wisdom in my life, eh? Um, who sits in meetings and sometimes just feels like they need to just shut up? Anyone or is it just me? Anyone else? A few people? <laughs> yeah, I'm just in meetings all the time where I'm like with people and they're just like so smart and I just feel like I'll just be the quiet guy sitting in the corner just shutting up. Um, I think heaps of you know I'm doing my doctorate at the moment through a university over in America. And I go over for block courses, um, which is all on hold thanks to COVID. And this is, these are high-level big people, like pastors of these mega churches and people running these global ministries. And we're not having these discussions. And again and again, I just find myself going, shh, Frank, shh, be quiet. Because it feels like they're talking up here, and I'm just not the wisest guy in the room. Um, anyone? Amen? You hear me? Yeah. Um, my favorite thing is elders meetings, yeah? I love the elders here. They are awesome. So it's really funny. I quite often ring or text um, my wife, Josephine, after an elders meeting going, man, that was the coolest meeting ever. I just love those guys. It's, have I done that, eh, hey? like a million times? It's so funny. I just love it. I've talked to heaps of pastors and like their most dreaded thing in their whole job as a pastor, elders. Just dro- and I'm always like, ha ha, I've got cool elders and you don't. I've literally, <laughs> I've literally said that to different pastors around the country. I just love our elders. But honestly, eh, hey, honestly, the number of times I sit in an elders meeting and we discuss something serious, with the big things, you know, people stuff. And then someone like Grant will we'll just stop, and Grant will be like, okay, this is what I think. And I just sit there in my head going, Whoa, thank you, Jesus, for Grant. He's so. Um, we'll be discussing something serious, and, and Will, right? We, there's a pause, and then Will, awesome builder Will, just goes, okay. And just wisdom comes out, you know? Or Jeremy, who's like trained to be a counselor, again, there's a pause, and Jeremy, heaps of times, Jeremy, just such wise, insightful stuff. Well, Joel's the other elder at the moment. Joel, same thing, man. We discuss something, full on discussion. Everyone's backwards and forwards, and Joel's just like, summary statement. And you're like, Ooh. And I sit there going, shh, Craig, skip that. It's <laughs> so that, yeah, anyway. I'm kind of joking, right? We well, can ask them afterwards. They might be like, oh, man, yeah, I'm glad Craig shuts up. I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Hey, so let's talk about actually learning wisdom, right? Gaining wisdom. It's not rocket science, number one. I can actually learn wisdom, right? So turn to a few people around you and say, you can actually learn wisdom, right? You can actually learn wisdom. All good? Okay, and it's not rocket science. It's real basic, and I love that. It's not like God said, if you want to have wisdom, you must climb to the top of Perongia, which is a manga just over here, you know, 50 times a day for seven years, and you'll become wise, and we'll be like, oh, man, (laughs) we'll like... It's real basic, right? It's not rocket science because God wants us to be wise because last time I checked, he loves us and cares about us. Right? It's like, thank you, Jesus. Um, Brie read uh, Proverbs 1, 1 to 7 before. Where are you, Brie? Awesome reading, Oh, good, eh? Such a good gift of reading. Man. So cool. I love that. Um, so I'm just pulling out a couple of verses from what you read. Um, here's the first one, Proverbs 1, 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. I love that, eh? Obtain guidance. Um, One of the ways we can become wise is just by listening to wiser people around us, right? It's not rocket science. It's not like I have to do some crazy task and read a million books. It's like I just need to hang out with people wiser than me. Um, So I need wisdom, as you've heard, right? I climb stupid trees and fall into rivers, right? Um, um, And so I've got two key people in my life that speak wisdom into my life. So I've always been a big mentor person. um, And so I have a spiritual mentor and what I call a professional mentor, right, at the moment. And so my spiritual mentor is someone in this church who's just amazing. Um, And they're just simply further down the track of life than me, right? They're wiser than me. They get marriage better than me. They get raising kids better than me. They get the Word of God better than me. And I just meet up with them. We've just started meeting, and the plan is to meet up once a month, and they're just going to ask me some hard questions about my life. What are you looking at on the computer? Where's your thought life at? How's your relationship with your wife? You know. And then they're going to speak wisdom and grace and truth into my life. Do you know what that's going to do to me? Make me wiser. (laughs) And I'll say stuff to you guys, and you'll be like, man, that Craig here is so wise. But really, I'm just like taking – so I'm getting wiser by hanging out with people. It's not rocket science, right? Um, And I have a professional mentor. Um, He's a pastor of a giant church and super godly guy. And I spent um, a few hours with him in Wellington on Tuesday, flew down to hang out with him, right? And again and again, like – and I was thinking about the sermon. There was so many times and I was asking him, like, these questions about church and just life and Jesus and all this – And he's real slow. And then he'll be like, well, you know, Craig. And he'll say something again and again. We were in this um, uh, cafe down there. I was just like, whoa. And he's like, he passes a massive church, like thousands of people. And several times I'm I'm a bit of a puncher. He'd say something wise and I'd punch him and be like, bro, that's awesome. And the second time I did, I went, oh, man, I probably shouldn't punch him. He's like, no, I love your punches. It's all good, bro. I was like, oh, shit, bro. Again, I'm going to be wiser, literally, because this guy is making me wiser. I'm literally wiser because of the the man in this room right now, who's my spiritual mentor, who's wiser than me. Um, So in love, but as one of your pastors, (laughs) I say to you, who is helping you to become wiser? (laughs) Who in your life is further down life than you that's speaking grace and truth and accountability into your life? Who are you meeting with, hopefully once a month, that you leave that, and I, I do this, and I leave it just in my car going, oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus, for bringing that person into my life. That's so wise. And if you're not, and this is my route, if you're not, I'm just like, are you nuts? <laughs> Seriously, it's not rocket science, right? Um, so one of the ways we can become wiser is to just meet with someone who's going to speak truth. It's exactly what that, um, what that proverb says, right? I was reading a book this week. And this this quote jumped out that I just thought was amazing. He said this, You may be one relationship away from changing the course of your destiny. I'll say it again. You may be one relationship away from changing the course of your destiny. And I read that, and I was just like, whoa, that is pretty heavy, right? Some of you right now desperately need someone wiser than you speaking into your life. You're trying to make decisions about life, (laughs) and you're stumbling, and you're confused, and you're lost. And I just feel like God's saying to you, you need someone smarter than you, someone who's been there, who's done it, who's wiser, who's further down the track, who loves you. They're not a judging git. They're just going to be in your life asking questions, loving you, encouraging you. And turn to someone and say, you can totally learn wisdom. Can you do that? Turn to someone and say, you can totally learn wisdom. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> people are yelling across church to lucas i think it's a sign <laughs> you need no no you got lots of wisdom right? okay here's the second one gaining wisdom it's not rocket science number two um i can ask god right <laughs> it's not rocket science number two i can ask god if i want wisdom and there's i had so many verses for this and i cut it down to just one we would be here all day um i love to say eh? the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, Bree read that, and it's just like, man, this is so clear. Uh, There's a quote from a um, a commentary, a book I was reading this week when I was preparing for the sermon. This is what it says. Um, One cannot gain knowledge of spiritual things if he or she begins at the wrong point, refusing to fear the Lord. Like, so that's the beginning. I.e., to recognize God's character and respond by revering, trusting, worshiping, obeying, and serving Him. Man, I love that. Do I want to become more wise? Do I want to be able to speak wisdom into situations and understand stuff from God? It's so simple. One, I've got to meet with someone smarter than me, wiser than me. It's not rocket science, right? I'm not climbing put on here. Easy. Second thing I've got to do is I need to come to God and ask for wisdom. And I love this quote, right? Again, it's not super hard. It's just simply, do I spend time in my day worshiping God? Do I? If I do, I'm going to get wiser. That's what he's saying, literally, because it, it contributes to my, my fear of the Lord. It's an old word meaning like awe or respect of God. If I want to be wiser, I just need to spend time worshiping God. That's not hard. i just got my phone, doing lots of worship songs, cruising my car, boom, wisdom, wisdom, right? It's not, that's what he's saying, right? It, it teaches me the awe, the awe of God, the respect of God. Do I spend my time in, in the day, sorry, do I spend time in my day in the Word of God? Just reading the Bible. Do I spend time in my day living out my trust in God? Do I spend time in my day listening for the voice of God and then obeying Him immediately? It's not rocket science, right? <laughs> it's simple stuff. All of us have got access to a Bible to read. Five minutes. Wisdom. <laughs> Listen to worship music in my car. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time, you know, it's just, I just love that, right? I love that. So back to the question I started with, right? Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? If you continue on the trajectory you're on now, who will you become? Man. Etu, let's all stand up and pray. Let me pray. We're going to worship together. Just as you're standing, hey, eh, this is kind of my final chance this morning to go, <sighs> who are you really becoming, eh? Are there things in your life that you need to be stepping away from, and they're going to be way easier to step away from if you have a mentor journey with you on that? Um, are there things in your life that you know God is calling you to do that you need to step into? And again, it's going to be so much easier with a mentor, with someone wiser than you standing beside you and encouraging you, journeying with you. Some of you folks that are married, how's your marriage doing? You know it's going to be a million times better if you're meeting with someone who's been married longer than you, who's going to ask you hard questions, maybe punch you in the arm if you're a guy when you say something dumb, love you, pray for you. (laughs) Man, I think we just need that, that mentoring. We need that wisdom. How much time are you spending during the week just in the Word? Just a few minutes a day. It doesn't have to be like four hours, eh? We're just going to become wiser. It's natural, right? Natural. How much time during the week do I just chuck in a worship song here and there? Just going to become wiser. Just going to become wiser. Let me pray for us. Yeah, Yeah, kia ora yore. Yeah. We're amazed that you would desire to help us become wiser in massive things, eh? Not just like, I don't know, not just little stuff, but huge stuff, huge life stuff. Yeah. You want us to speak wisdom into situations, and people to step back and just go, "What the heck? How did you? How did you know? Where did that? How? <laughs> um, and we would know it's because we hang out with the Creator of the universe. <laughs> we hang out with Jesus. We hang out with the Holy Spirit. We hang out with our Father God, the Creator of all, and we just become wiser when we do. We grow in awe, we grow in respect, we grow in fear of God, that that holy, righteous fear. And as we do that, we just naturally become wiser. We become more gracious. We become more truth-speaking. We become more loving. and We want to be that God, but some of us are just lazy, eh? (laughs) To be honest. We're lazy, we're badly (laughs) prioritised, all this stuff, eh? We want want you. We need you to speak into our life to, to draw us to, to wise people, to draw us closer to you. Yeah. And thank you that wisdom is not this impossible summit of some crazy mountain we have to climb, but it's like you're holding it out in front of us, saying, do you want it? Do you want this wisdom? <laughs> thank you for your care. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the desire to speak wisdom into us. We need it as the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.